Okay, so, where do you want me to start? Yeah, I can say, oh, this was a dreamer uh, boy from Alabama. No, that was not the story, sorry. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Cisco Learning Network podcast. That was David Peñalosa, a principal engineer at a global telecommunications business. We're going to be telling you the story of how David drastically improved his life through his pursuits of Cisco certifications and got to where he is now. This will be the first episode of a three-part series about David and his remarkable journey. You're going to hear about David's sincere resiliency, work ethic, luck, sacrifice, failures, and triumphs. You're also going to hear about how David took advantage of the opportunity to earn Cisco certifications and how that decision and his work turned things around as he was confronted with many hardships throughout his life. David begins his story by talking about growing up in Caracas, Venezuela, and how his natural interest in technology grew the more that he helped the people around him. Well, since I was 16 years old, I was this guy who was all the time installing programs, fixing your computer, changing your power supply, or, well, opening up your computer and see all the guts and changing things and things that nobody else would like to do. And I was doing it for free. So I was helping my friends, I was helping family, I was helping everybody. And then once one person told me, hey, why don't you charge us for that? And I was like, okay, well, good. I was doing it for free because I like it, but if you want to pay for it, I don't mind. And then, well, since I was 16 years old, I started to work as an individual. Whenever I had the free time, I was working well, early mornings or late nights or during weekends or at any time because, well, gotta make money, so, well, you make the time for it. The year was 2007, and David was attending the Escuela Tecnica Popular Don Bosco, which is a vocational school where David was studying electronics and communications engineering. His parents had been separated, and David went back and forth to see his parents in different cities while he studied. And of course, you would learn different things to have your own vocation, your own profession. In my case, I was studying electronics. So I graduated in this technical school as an electronic technician, I would say. So I was building my own radio and that kind of stuff at, at my lab. It was pretty cool though. But before graduating, I was in parallel then doing this IT job, installing programs and all that. At that time, it was quite popular to find the programs in their, well, non-paid version with some cracks and things. And I was really good at this, finding things and then people was like, do you have the free version? And I was like, yeah, I do. And then, well, I was just plugging my USB everywhere. That wouldn't be considered a good thing right now, but at that time it was good. <laughs> so just don't do that at home. I wrecked my computer several times and well, I knew many tricks and things that some other friends didn't. So I had a computer which was considerably slower than theirs, but guess what? Mine was faster. <laughs> it was funny because then they were coming to you asking you why. So then that's the way I started to teach my friends how to do things. And it was awesome because it was the first contact with teaching, with really transferring things to other people. And I loved it. Well, I just kept doing it and I started to do this as an individual and people loved it. I had not just friends, but the friends of my friends. And eventually I got, I would say, recurrent customers. People who were all the time, they're asking for your support, always. They told me, well, why don't you start charging for it? I was like, okay, good. So since I was 16, I started charging people for this as an individual. And after two years, when I was 18, I said, well, now I'm 18, so I should be doing something bigger than this. And I founded my own company when I was 19 years old. 
I wanted to do exactly the same as I was doing before, but now as a company, now I wanted to do something bigger. Of course, the the range and the scope was growing, so it wasn't just computers in the physical way. I was offering consultancy to configure small routers, Windows servers, things like that. So things were getting more complicated. I had a bunch of books. I found also many tutorials at that time. Well, YouTube was starting. It was, yeah, it wasn't that popular as it is now, but it was definitely popular. You could find many tutorials and also you would find some other people having blogs and explaining what they did and how they did it. Or you would find things like Reddit. This is the funny thing that I had no idea about it. Then I started to, well, let's try to learn new things. So then my first focus was just Windows servers because that was something that you would find in every office. And well, let's be honest, that was easy money. Then when I was between 19 and 22, I was just doing exactly the same and things were growing, things were getting better. And actually my company, it was a very small company, but I was several of my friends' first job. But it was really funny because I was their own age. Actually, some of them were even older. It was super because I was doing a bunch of things that were ahead of my time and I loved to do it. My friends, of course, they graduated. Their first job was with me and I kept employing them. So I kept teaching them all these things. And at home, I had this wide whiteboard, a massive one. And then it was all the time just teaching them stuff. And, and I had markers and everything. I turned my home into some kind of classroom. As David was starting to get his business off the ground with the help of his friends, there was a lot happening with the Venezuelan economy at the time that had serious impacts on small businesses like the one that David was trying to start. To give you some understanding, according to the Encyclopedia Britannia, from the late 1940s to 1970s, Venezuela was the world's largest petroleum exporter. Then, between the 1980s and 1990s, the amount of profit that Venezuela was able to make off of their petroleum exports fell sharply. This was mostly because of the fluctuations in international petroleum prices, as well as global economic recessions. A lot of problems arose for the economy, including massive inflation, inefficient management, corruption, and a lack of skilled personnel within the country. And as a result, Venezuela's debt to other countries, as well as unemployment, skyrocketed. I got to the point where I was trying to well make the best of the situation we had because the inflation was already growing extremely high. It was growing extremely fast. So you were all the time getting money and then wondering when the price will change. And it wasn't that bad as it is today. So you sometimes had a, some months in advance. <laughs> right now you have days or hours. Well, I kept doing this for years till 2012. And then in 2012, I was at the university and I found this Cisco Academy. And then a friend told me, hey, do you want to learn networking in this academy? And he told me, I want to do it, but I don't want to do it alone. The Cisco Networking Academy that David just referred to is a global offering to anyone who would like to receive either online or in-person help on their way to getting Cisco certified. Go to netacad.com to learn more. So everything started with me joining a friend over Saturdays. It was Saturdays from 8 a.m. till 4 p.m. the whole day. And we had this short break to have lunch for learning CCNA. And it took eight weeks per module, if I remember well. And it was four modules. So I started in 2013, joining this friend on Saturdays. And of course, in the meantime, I was doing everything with the company and working and studying. I was studying at the same university. I was going more to the university during Saturdays than over the whole week. <laughs> because I, I, I really was full of things to do. Because I was not only working. 
I was also taking care of my dad. In the last eight years, my dad was getting sick every now and then. So his his health was, the, what's the word for this? Withering. I was, you know, sounds fun, poetic. He was, he was simply getting weaker. So first it was that he got diagnosed with diabetes, which wasn't that bad. We only had to find insulin and then he will just put it on his leg or put it on his belly and we're good. But then we had high blood pressure and then we had infections and da 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 da. Over the years, things got more complicated till when he got diagnosed with kidney failure. So he had to go for dialysis. So every three days we were taking my dad to, well, to be connected to the machine for three and a half hours. And well, he had to limit then his water intake and we had to keep an eye on his diet and whatever he was eating. But anyway, he kept having many things or many illnesses coming to him. And eventually we got to the point where he had to, well, dialysis and all that. So I was handling this in parallel with working, with studying. Everything was happening at the same time. It was complicated. It was, it, honestly, it was time juggling. One of my brothers was every day cooking for my dad his lunch, his breakfast, his dinner. And my sister was the one then procuring medicines, was the one getting everything that would require. She was really resourceful. She is still resourceful and it's amazing. She can find anything. I still don't know how she does it. We all had our own roles. In my case, given the fact that I'm still the youngest of my siblings, but I was making money. So I was the one just, you know, putting the money there. Hey, if you need anything, take it. If we need to find medicines, take the money. Well, it felt amazing because I could contribute in more than one way. I was living with my dad. So if he had something during the night that he felt something, some pain, or if I had sometimes to give him medicine or sometimes whenever he was well in the weakest of the states, I was the one checking on him. Hey, are you okay? And all that during the nights. So what I was doing is that I was studying during the nights and the CCNA stuff. And in the meantime, I was awake just in case he was asking for something and all that. So it was a funny way of spending the nights, but well, you need to make time, whatever there is time. Then during the day, it was, well, running around. So then I joined this academy. I was going every Saturday to meet with this friend and then learning about CCNA. It was the first module. So we start with how networks are connected or actually even before that, the OSI model. And then we had this the layers and what happens in each layer. And our instructor was cool. He was cool. He was a guy like us. He was, he was a young guy. I would say he had his own way of explaining things. And what I was doing with my friend was that we were just sitting together and then finding other ways to even come up with better explanations, trying to make it easier to digest. We were studying together. We were doing labs and all that. I kept doing that for four times, eight weeks, so for 32 weeks plus some little break. So by the end of the year, in 2013, I should have finished the third of the modules. So I was ready for at least, at that point was ICND-1, you know, half of the CCNA. So for that, you would yeah. need only module one and module two, because there were four modules. The exam that David is talking about here is the Interconnecting Cisco Networking Devices, or ICND-1 exam. It was retired February 24th, 2020, but it was designed to test a candidate's knowledge and skills related to network fundamentals. It was also broken up into two parts. 
the ICND-1 and the ICND-2. I was using this money we had for internet transactions to pay these exams. And imagine if you have $300 or $500 as a limit and one of the exams is $300, oh God, you better pass it. So you didn't have a second chance. You never had the second chance, so you had to go and smash it. For weeks, David spent countless hours staying up late and studying. He had only the company of his massive coffee cup at nights. So I had a massive one at home and I was just filling it with coffee and the whole night I was just drinking this and studying and getting ready for the exam. Then the morning of the exam came. David went in to take the ICND-1 exam and passed. He was now halfway through his journey to earn his first Cisco certification. And I, I honestly felt like I was at the top of the world. I felt like, oh God, I'm a sea scent. I am a god among gods. <laughs> because at that point, I haven't even finished the course. As I was joking with another friend, I'm half certified now, right? Because I wasn't CCNA entirely, but I already passed half of it. And we had this advantage in, in the academy that whenever you pass the modules, and if you get good grades, you would get a discount voucher. This was a savior to me. If I remember well, at that time, it was minus 65% of the amount of money. So I was paying for one exam, which was 150 something. I was paying a very low amount. I think it was less than $70. You gotta use this opportunity, otherwise you need to pay 150 the next time. So, well, you pass now. <laughs> So then I was trying to apply all these things with the work I was doing. So we started to do smaller networking deployments. So I was deploying switches in offices, smaller routers with smaller switches in an office with maybe three rooms. It was like a home office, but then, you know, things were escalating quickly. Then I finished the CCNA course by the end of the year. And in March, I was taking the CCNA exam. Well, the ICND2, the second half of it. By March of 2014, I had CCNA, and at that point, I felt like I was the dude. And I only had one CCNA, but dude, it felt so awesome. The course had a maximum of 15 people. I was the only one who got certified that fast. The thing is that I knew some basics, but extremely basics. I never felt like, what the hell is this? Not at all. I actually felt like it was interesting because it was another way of seeing things. Suddenly, when they start to explain how things happen, how communication occurs, you say like, oh God, it's like when somebody just sheds a little bit of light on you. And then, you know, you have this moment where, oh, mind blown. And <laughs> because you learn how things happen and suddenly it's not anymore magic. Now you know, and that feeling, oh, oh, that's fantastic. You'd feel like you really know it. And that was just a piece of it. It was just a taste. Our teacher told us that, yeah, you will have opportunity to get better jobs and you will be, well, professionally attractive or at least more compelling to some companies because you have this certification. And I thought, well, hell yeah, why not? Because for me, it was faster to pass a certification exam than the course in a career. In our case, a bachelor is five years. I couldn't finish bachelor, so I've just graduated from high school. I, I don't have anything else. So for me, it was like, okay, dude, I need to get a way to improve my possibilities. I need to be fast. At that time, I was thinking, well, yeah, I want to leave the country, but I also want to do better things with the current company because I didn't want to give up on the company yet. Whenever you get to these businesses and then you tell them, hey, by the way, 
We are Cisco certified. Of course, we were a partner of five people and I was the guy having like all the stuff on me because you know that at that point you could get to select partner and then you were assigning roles. Guess who was the only guy with all the roles? It was me. <laughs> so I was taking all the exams because you had to take corporate exams, the small business exams that were online. You didn't even have to go to the testing center. I think the code the exam was around 600 something or 500 something. It was a purely partner requirement exam. It was like $80. And after two exams, because it was SMB, small businesses for account managers and for engineers, it was just a bunch of stuff, which for me was extremely easy because it, it was just common sense. What would you do if you find this, this, it, it was simple, but well, I said, well, let me just take it. I will get a partner level. And then we were a five people company with one guy having all the roles and we were select partner better than some companies having 50 people. I was like, oh, oh, so I just could get to some customers and tell them, hey, we have this certification. And then the other people didn't and hey, the five people company won. <laughs> so I had some customers that I was handling with my other five friends and it was excellent. We were rocking. It was fantastic. It continued to be good. I remember that I was being this guy who was not only an engineer, who was the owner of the company. So I was invited to some events to which only the company executive could go. So then I was going, well, I was just wearing a fancy suit and I was bringing one of my friends with me to these events, which were only for executives. There was one for Intel. We were an Intel partner, so it was an Intel, they call it the innovation tour or the partner tour, I can't remember. And what they do is that they organize these fancy dinners in some special hotels that are high class. They give all the people there a presentation. And what you have is the possibility then to talk with some other people, to interact with people who were at that point owners of many businesses. And I was supposed to be an owner of a business as well, but I was also an engineer, so it was perfect. Then I was talking with this guy or the other guy sharing a coffee or then, oh, I'll call you tomorrow, send me your email and that kind of stuff. And well, I have been always this, well, I would say approachable guy. I would say I would just sit and talk to you and, hey, how's it going? And that helped a lot because then you get to, well, catch some new customers, so possible alliances, possible movements that would help you to improve whatever is your economical position. And uh, it was good till it lasted or while it lasted is the right expression. We're going to stop there for now in David's story. As you heard, his company was doing well, he was meeting more potential customers, and the certifications from Cisco that he was earning were helping him and his company look very attractive to other businesses who couldn't seem to find other businesses that were Cisco certified. We'll pick up next time with David's story of how his company did in the midst of an economic downturn caused by the death of then-president Hugo Chavez. So please be on the lookout for the next episode by subscribing to the Cisco Learning Network podcast. And please visit the Cisco Learning Network at www.ciscolearningnetwork.com to find training videos, resources, and an entire community dedicated to supporting one another in the journey of earning Cisco certifications. Thanks for listening. <laughs>